morning. Well, if you're joining us, we're going through the book of 2 Peter. This is the second letter that Peter is writing to the church. Peter is in prison writing this, this letter, and he knows that these are his last days. So as he's writing to the church, he knows that he is going to be persecuted. He knows that he is facing execution at the end of this trial that he's, he's sitting in. And so 2 Peter are the final thoughts of Peter. This is everything that Peter has lived through and he has gone through and he is pouring everything of himself into this letter. The things that are most important to him and the things that he needs to say and and make sure that he passes down. If you knew that these are your last days, what are the things that you would write down? For Peter, it's this letter. This letter in which he says, let me remind you who you are. Let me remind you of the promises that Jesus has made to us and that we don't need to navigate life on our own strength and our own intellect, that we have a Father that loves you and cares for you and that you're able to partake in the divine nature of God. But that also you have the spirit to, a spirit to encourage you and help you navigate life. That if we hold on to these promises, that there is hope. Then Peter goes on in chapter 2 to say, but beware, there are false teachers, right? That everywhere there are people there to deceive you. That not only are there false teachers that will lead you into places where you're seeking after prosperity and happiness, they're there to entice you to find a way for yourself. You know that... Oftentimes, your theology is strongly dictated by the things that you're chasing after. That you may ask, well, how does one get trapped into false teaching when they preach a gospel that that aligns with your heart, you follow it. You see, your theology is often formed around the things that you're interested in. If it's happiness and prosperity that you're going after, then you will find theology that that matches that and encourages that. But instead, what Peter is saying here is we need to follow a gospel that sits under the authority of Jesus and a gospel of repentance. So now as we go into chapter 3, the final chapter of this letter, Peter returns in part to the theme in chapter 1. And he reminds the church to hold on to the promise, to remember the hope through Jesus, in which it inspires righteousness and peace and purity. So before we get in, let's pray. Father, we come and ask that you open our eyes and our hearts and our minds to help us see things clearly. I pray that you would work through your word this morning, that you would speak through me and help me see Uh, Help us as a church, really, to see a new reality in how we are to live with you. So, Father God, we pray that your spirit comes and takes your living word to transform the way that we live. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have your Bibles with you, open with me, or your, your phones or your apps, whatever it is, turn with me to 2 Peter chapter. 3 verses 1 to 7 is what we're going to go through today. 
Second Peter chapter three says this. This is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandments of the Lord and Savior through your apostle, knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact that heaven existed long ago and that earth was formed out of the water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heaven and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Peter begins this chapter by saying, I need your full attention. And this next thing is remember. Remember is the theme of this this entire letter. Remember who you are. Church, this is the big idea here. It's to remember and to hold on what was prophesied is now fulfilled. Peter again in verse 1 it says, I need you to remember. Okay, church, this is going to be the constant theme here today. Remember. And we'll come back to this at the end of our sermon, but He says, there will be what? Scoffers that will come in the last days. And they will question the reality of Jesus' return. The scoffers or mockers are there to justify the pursuit of their own sinful desires by saying that Jesus isn't going to return. In verse 5, they go as far as saying that they deliberately and willingly overlook this fact. So in the early days of the church, there were teachers that were teaching these things. We find that actually in 2 Timothy, in chapter 2, Paul writes to Timothy, Timothy saying that Hymenaeus and Philetus teaches that the resurrection of believers was in the past. So this is not a new teaching. This is actually a, a teaching that's in the church and infiltrated in the church. And actually today, we still see theologians that are still preaching the same, same theology. But remember, in chapter 1, Peter reminds the church that the prophecies of Jesus, the majesty coming through the transfiguration of Jesus, Peter reminds them, he's like, we, we witnessed the transfigurations of Jesus. That the transfiguration was prophesied and we witnessed it, so these things are coming to pass. And so therefore, when Jesus says, I am coming back again, that is a prophecy that is made sure that there is hope in the light There's hope and light in the shining of of dark places. So Peter is confronting the denial of the second coming head on. These false teachers, these scoffers, they're basically saying, if Jesus isn't coming back, we can do whatever we want because this life is all that there is. That we should pursue life and do whatever makes us happy because he's not coming back to judge. You see, the first century Christians, the early church, the first church knew that Jesus died. That Jesus ascended into heaven, and it's been about 30 years since that has happened. And the church remembers Jesus actually saying, I'm, come, I'm going to come back, I'm going to return, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. 
He even told some of his disciples that some of you will not see death until you see the Son of Man coming with his kingdom. So the early church, even that first century church, believed that Jesus was coming, coming back anytime, that he is, he is, he's returning soon. They were expecting and they were waiting. And now it's been 30 years and nothing has happened. And the church is now persecuted. It's been marginalized. And their church is losing hope. They're asking the questions, is Jesus actually coming back? That maybe these scoffers and these false teachers are actually right. Maybe we should try to just get the most out of this life while we still have life to live. As I was preparing for this sermon, I came across this, this philosophy. It's called the imminent frame. Have you guys heard of it? This philosophy is a postmodern philosophy. And what the notion is, is that everything in the world is part of a natural order, understandable without reference to anything outside itself, and simply as a matter of casual relationship. So what that's saying is that all we have is just the world that we see, hear, taste, touch, and feel that there's nothing beyond what is in front of us. There's nothing eternal, nothing spiritual, nothing transcendence. So even though as a church we may believe in the reality that God exists, we often find ourselves living in a place where functionally we're living out this postmodern thinking. Why do I say that? Because we are in a culture that is heavily influenced by a culture of wants and desires. We have bombarded ourselves with a lifestyle marketing, thanks to Ikea, that we will be more happy if our life reflected a certain way of living. That we are constantly looking at the next thing to make us happy. We're looking at the next vacation, we're looking at the next event, the next hobby, or even the next stage of life. And we struggle to actually be present in the moment. What happens is that when we get to the end of our, our lives, there's nothing to look forward to next. And that you realize you've missed out because you were always looking ahead. How do we fall into this place? It's actually pretty simple and pretty easy. It can be driven by a sense of adventure, the need to explore, to travel. But the compulsion of traveling becomes... You, you become more focused on the next place and not the place that you're in right now. Or maybe it's as simple as you're not content with where you're at. That you're not happy with where you're at. That where, where you're at right now feels like you're just in waiting. And you're waiting to be done with this season in life. And you, move, and, and you want to move on to the next. And it comes out of a place of being discontent. discontent. Or it could be something like a bucket list, right? We all have bucket lists. Where you have a list of things that we do before you die and the next event of the bucket list becomes the driving factor of what you're living for instead of why you've made that bucket list in the first place. Or you could be like me. I like to call myself a Epicurean. Just to sound sophisticated. Literally, it's just to eat, drink, and be merry. For tomorrow we die. That's the Epicurean way of thinking. Church, I want to say to enjoy things in this life is not a bad thing. 
because God created all these things. It's for our pleasures. God created everything for our pleasure and enjoyment. But what creeps in is this idea of imminent frame, where we live only in a place of our environment and of what is materially in front of us, that we put all our worth and all our weight on all of these things. And what happens is we just end up wanting more. More toys, more boats, more vehicles, more shoes, more watches, bigger house. That's my list, by the way. Those are my wants and my desires. But the thing is, these things will never give you hope. These things are fleeting, and these things do not let you experience what is eternal. Church, sometimes we think that we're good, right? Vaisons is in a good place. We follow Jesus. We know where, what, where our salvation comes from. We know who our God is. We know this. This is good, right? And won't know. We're not in a bad place. But to know this is one thing and to, rem- to remember it daily is a completely different thing. We live in our daily lives and routine, and in that daily life and, re- and routine, we will come across either people we work with that boast of the things that they've done or that they have, or we jump onto Facebook and Instagram and we see the curated lives of people, and when we see this happy life of things that they have and things that they are doing, what happens is that this imminent frame philosophy begins to develop in our minds and we begin to desire and cover the things that the others have, and we begin to pursue the same things for ourselves. Haven't you ever looked at Instagram before and you're scrolling through and everything seems so perfect? Everything seems so happy. Everything seems so fun and you're just like, if only I could have a taste of that. I want the next big house. I want to be able to have a house to decorate. I mean, we live in Vancouver. The reality of, for the, especially the young people in this, in this congregation, is the reality of owning a house is almost impossible. Right? But that desire creeps in. It's just like, okay, how do I own that, that, that thing? Maybe if I move to Calgary. Calgary's cheaper. Saskatoon's even cheaper. <laughs> we had talk about Regina. You could own a house there, no problem. But do you want to live there? Is that where you're called to? But we, we live in this place where it's, we feed into these desires and wants for ourselves. And we, we sit in this place. It's just like, I need this. I'm not happy because I don't have this. I'm not happy because I'm not exploring the world and traveling the world. I, I love traveling. And I, whenever I see people traveling, I'm just like, oh, I want to be there. I want to go. I want to see it. I want to experience it. I want to do all those things. And then you're just like... In this place where you're, you're, you're fantasizing about, oh man, one day, one day I could go to Turkey and see all those hot air balloons go up all at once. And it's a beautiful sight, right? You see? You see where my mind is going? The same thing. I live in the same world that you guys live in. I'm just as broken as you guys are, right? And so we're all in the same playing field. We're all being tempted by the same things. But this is what, what this imminent frame tends to do is that we tend to only live out what we see. Do you get it? That these scoffers that are in the Old Testament and in Peter, they may be 
more upfront with their message. But we're living in a culture where these scoffers are all around us. That the temptations of living a certain lifestyle and pursuing certain things is right there. And so church, yeah, we may be good. We may understand our salvation. We may understand who Jesus is for us. We may understand that we have a mission to do. I'm not saying we don't. As a church, we do. As a church, I'm proud of every single one of us that's able to take on the mission and say, God, send me to go and, and, and preach your word. God, let me be a witness of who you are. But church, this is a big reminder for us that we need to remind ourselves of these things every single day that who are we living for? Do we understand the gospel for ourselves? Are we preaching that gospel daily to ourselves that Jesus died for me, that I am sitting here, that I am standing here, that I am in where I am because of what Jesus did on the cross? That this is the first thing that we need to remember, that we always have to go to that place of remembering Jesus, remembering what Jesus did for us. Remember that, that we have more in this life to live for than our own desires and our own wants. But we live in this culture where we are constantly bombarded. And I, I think it's been amplified now with technology, right? I remember growing up in the 80s, okay? Like, this dates me. I know I look like I'm 23, but I'm not. Back in the 80s where it was just the TV and the billboards, right? Or the flyers. I, Saturday, Saturday papers, comics and flyers. That's my jam, man. It was the Toys R Us flyer and the Saturday, Saturday comics, right? Because they were colored. The, the daily ones were not colored. They're just one page. Not, not as cool. Saturday ones, you know. Yeah, that's your jam. Cereal, right there. And you're thinking... Oh, these are the things that I want. I mean, I've shared this before. I really wanted Talking Battleship, man. Man, that was the game. I really wanted it so bad. And when I got it for Christmas, my mom gave, made me give it away. It was horrible. It was just a horrible experience. <laughs> There's still trauma there, as you can see. <laughs> but it's that idea of coveting, right? The idea of I need that, I want that. And nowadays, it's even more than that. That it's on our YouTube, it's on our Instagram, it's on our Facebook, it's almost curated to you. You talk about something and all of a sudden an ad pops up for it. Like, how does that happen? Facebook's listening to you. No, no, I'm kidding. No, the government's not listening to you. They already know everything about you. <laughs> the scoffers today may not be as overt. But our theology will always align with our desires, right? That our theology, the way that we see God, is formed by the things that we are chasing after. So you will begin to see God in a way that makes you happy or makes you rich or fulfills the pleasures of life for you. That's when the church begins to get sleepy. And as a church, we see churches going through just the motions of faith and we fail to live out the fullness of what the gospel, which is vibrant and full of choir. I'm not saying not to have fun in life or to not enjoy the things that you have. 
what you have is what God has given you. And what I'm saying is that we need to be aware of what drives us, what motivates us, and what gives us life. When we do this alone, we will drift into oblivion and forget where we're supposed to be. And then the scripture in verse 5, Peter almost goes into an almost tangent. And I say almost because it's not actually almost. It's an intentional, intentional ta- tangent. And where verse 5 to 7, it goes into this apocalyptic description talking about how God formed the world with water and by his spoken word, he also destroyed the world through a great flood. We, we know this happened through Noah. Then he goes on to say that the heavens and earth will be stored up. So today, we're living in this place where the heaven and earth is being stored up for fire until the day of judgment. Why does Peter go into this place? Because this apocalyptic talk is actually very familiar for the early church. Because this is a language the Old Testament prophets used. It was a turn or burn theology. But what Peter is emphasizing and breaking through is this thought that the transcendence, what is outside of our material world, doesn't exist. So he's trying to break through that, and he emphasizes on the fact that God can and will do what he needs to do to break the natural order because the natural order is also his creation. That the law of natures do not apply to the divinity of God. Peter is breaking through the thought that the second of, of this of this idea that these false teachers are teaching that the second coming isn't in coming back. That there is nothing more than just the world that we live in because when Jesus returns in Revelation, John tells us that Jesus is going to tear down the veil between heaven and earth and that there will not be a difference between what is spiritual and what is material. That there will be a new reality that God is bringing. That God has the power to do this because he's done it with the flood before And the next time, it's going to be done by fire. So Peter is using this to emphasize and remind us just who God is and what we are to live for. Peter isn't playing around. He's not merely just suggesting that this is the life that we need to live. It's not just a good idea. He's saying that this is the only way that you need to do it. This is how you need to live. This is the only option, because on the day of judgment, do you know which side you're standing on? On the day of judgment, will you be in the inner courts of the throne of Jesus, or will you be part of the destruction of the ungodly? Peter changes the tone to a very serious tone. He reminds the church where he, here to continue in that pursuit of God the pursuit of holiness. This isn't about us pursuing holiness so that we could somehow be worthy enough for when Jesus comes back that he'll receive us. That's not what Peter is saying here. He's also not saying or calling us to, be, to try to be good enough or holy enough so that when Jesus comes back, it will, he, that he'll actually let us into his kingdom. What Peter actually is saying here is he's calling us to live out who we already are in Christ, okay? He's calling us to live out the rescue that we've received, to live out the rest as rescue ones, as chosen ones, the ones who have been made sons and daughters today, the ones that have inherited the eternal kingdom through the work of Jesus Christ and to him alone. To do what matters most. 
to live as people who have been invited into eternity today. That's what Peter's reminding the church of. That we need to be living as people who have been invited into eternity. So what does that look like? It looks like a faithful and fruitful presence to live in the moment and in the present. That we aren't living for what is next, but we don't miss out on the life that we have right now. To recognize that it's easy for us to float and drift and forget who we are living for. That the biggest reason we don't experience and know God is unbelief. That if we do not remind ourselves of who we are to live for daily, we will not see the reality in which God wants us to live in. To know that this reality of being present, to know God's presence is found in our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers, and to know that they too can also live in this reality. That we carry the presence of God and we are partakers of his divine nature. That we are a holy nation, a royal priesthood, that ministers holiness and godliness to those that are around us. That we are bearing the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, and that these gifts that we have are for the world to witness the goodness of God. That is living eternity today. So practically, how, is, how does this play, play out? Well, it's actually about remembering. Let's go back to the first verse to remember to gather as often as you can with your church community and with your church family because we are shaped by the word of God and that we remind each other of the gospel of Jesus, that we come to encourage each other through prayer, that we lift each other up through prayer and stand together. Even more important for those that have families with kids, that we are committed to praying for, with our kids and for our kids and that we equip our kids with the word of God. Five stones, I've said this time and time again throughout this series, but stay in community, okay? Stay in this community. This is where you keep yourself accountable, but this is how you keep yourself in the king's family. Second way is to remember to give generously. Why? Because this is who God is. Okay? We give generously because God gives us gen- gives generously. Why do I say this? Because when you're able to give generously, you know that what you're chasing after is not for yourself but for God. Give generously now because God says you're going to inherit the earth one day. Third practical thing is to remember the Sabbath. The idea of Sabbath is about rest. And here's a radical idea, okay? Sabbath in a way that you rest from all things, including technology, including your phones, including Instagram, Facebook. Rest in a way where you let your mind actually rest on the Sabbath to be resting in God and being shaped by the way of Jesus. When we rest in Jesus, we begin to participate in all that he has invited us to. And lastly, 
Remember repentance. Repentance isn't about confession, okay? Repentance is about turning towards the way of Jesus, that we live our life with Jesus and our steps are in line with his. It is acknowledging his rule and reign over our lives and it's being in the joy of our salvation. That's what repentance is about. It's about choosing Jesus every single day. What Peter is emphasizing here is that idea of remembering that we have this amazing reality that we get to be a part of. This amazing life that we get to live. And Peter is saying that there are so many things that are going to try to take you away from that life that he set out for us. There are so many things that are going to try to distract you from doing the things that Jesus has set before you. And so Peter is urging the church, remember, don't get sleepy here. Don't forget what we're, what, what we're living for. Remember that God is powerful, that he could do all things. And know who you are in Christ. Know where your position is. Know what your inheritance is. Right? As a church, sometimes we don't think about our inheritance, right? It's not something that we think about. We think about after we, we pass, we just go and sing hallelujah to Jesus, right? No, that's not what it's about. No. If you read Revelations, you read what Jesus has, it says that the heavens and earth will pass and that there will be what? A new heaven and a new earth. And that you, as his children, get to inherit that earth. That means we get to experience what we have here currently without pain, without suffering, without sickness. That we get to enjoy his creation. We get to enjoy how he intended the world to be. That we sit in his holiness and his goodness. That's what living that for is living for eternity, knowing that that is what's set before us. That there's a kingdom that's, that Jesus established and we're going to get to go into that. That's what you're inheriting. Heaven is like what we get to experience. I was going to say on acid, but that's not a good term. <laughs> you can see that I was an ex-druggie at one point. It's amplified. Okay. <laughs> it is living this life, but in the joy of our Father. Isn't that good? Know that that's what you're living for, not this. That is. So, church, remember the promises of God and remember that we get to be a part of it. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for this message. We thank you that we are able to be a part of all the promises that you have for us. That you remind us of what we're living for and who we're living for. That you remind us that not only of what we're living for and who we're living for, but that you are there to live it out with us. That we don't have to do this alone that we have God the Father, God the Spirit to live this life with.
but we also have our church community to live it with. So, Father God, we pray that as we hear these words, you challenge the way that we position yourself and posture ourselves in front of you. And, Lord, that we continue to be your witnesses. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's such an encouragement to, to be reminded that each day our battles belong to the Lord. And I just want to thank Pastor John for just sharing from, from Peter. Uh, and just a reminder of, you know, in our daily walk that we, we listen and we hear the scoffers. And the scoffer comes in so many subtle forms and telling us that, you know, what is diverting our, our focus away from, from the truth from following uh, the Lord. And we just need to be reminded that, that we are a people that have been chosen uh, and selected for, for God's kingdom. And we need to be reminded that we, we are not living for just our present, for our present needs and present gratification. Uh, and many of those things, as John shared, is very enticing and uh, I, sh you know, I, I feel the same way that we're exposed to so many things in this world that takes our focus away from the, what is truly important in the presence. But we are living for amazing God, a God that is loving, a God that, that wants to, want us to have a fullness in our lives and even in the, in the present moment, he has a great purpose for each one of us. So we thank you for this reminder. And, and as John shared earlier, we just need to be mindful and be prayerful about our community, our church community, and being staying in a community that we can encourage one another. And also to, to, to give generously to each other and also uh, to remember to rest and our Sabbath is so important to, to be able to rest and to take away from all the distraction that we, we live every day and to be in living a life that we are gratified that we are, we are a repentance people in Christ. Father, we thank you for, for this day, Lord, and thank you for the message. Thank you for the reminder as Peter has reminded the believers that uh, we have to watch for the scoffers and we need to live in the present for you, Lord. And for you are the Lord, and you are the one that, that fills us abundantly. And if we go through the difficult times, that we face the battle, that we let the battle be yours, Lord. And we live a life for you. And if we are struggling, Lord, Father, you have said that those who are poor in spirit, for you, for thou is the kingdom heaven belongs lord so thank you father lord that we live in the kingdom of you lord the kingdom of heaven and father help us to to live each day uh for the for the moment that is uh, pleasing to you lord and each day that we we trust in you that we are purposeful and you let us lead us into your destiny for each one of our lives lord for every moment every moment that we live lord is for you lord we thank you father we thank you for your kingdom Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.